You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. This is Adam Griffin, and before we get to our topic of the hour, let me first introduce my two lovely co-hosts. First, the master of moments, Cassie Bryant. How you doing today, Cassie? That acronym is MOM, Master oh, of nice. Moments. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'm that. great. I'm doing great. Thanks for Good. asking. Okay. The lady who always knows what to say, Chelsea Griffin, is here with us too. Hi, Dean. I, well. I, I don't think that I always know what to say, but I like how you come up with these things for me and Cassie every week. I agree. It's the hardest part of the Family Discipleship <gasps> podcast is coming. Well, and, and we and we never have to try to think of something to call you. Me and Cassie should try this sometime. It's such a relief. Nope, I'm good. But I would love. <laughs> I speaking of Chelsea always having the right thing to say. I would love like a little Chelsea angel, like in the cartoons Whatever. on my right shoulder, guiding me through life because she does. I need always to just say less in general, Chelsea. I like you right where you're at because I think associated with Cassie's idea comes a little Chelsea Devil on the other shoulder. Oh. And I think you're just perfect right where you're at. You're, yeah, you're living life right. <laughs> All right. Well, since we're talking about moments today, I thought a good question to kick us off is I wanted to ask, I don't think I've ever asked Chelsea this question. Have you guys ever had an unplanned conversation, like just kind of a spur of the moment conversation that had a huge impact on your life? Uh, some moment that you can think of in your own life where it wasn't like you were sitting in a class. It wasn't like you were sitting in a sermon. It was just somebody said something that you feel like changed the trajectory, something significant for you. I can think of two. Uh, well, well, one unplanned conversation that's had a big impact on my life. Adam Griffin, don't you think is probably the day we met? Oh, that that's a great Yeah, that point. was awesome. Yeah. And you started talking about your church within the first couple minutes, yeah, dropping well, that you faith know, flag. Yeah, spiritual lady. Because <laughs> she that's always right. knows well, what to like, say. I, I mean, yeah. I know it was a new job, and so I was there for a new job, but at the same time, I'm always like, well, I'm also looking for a husband. So, so I was going to throw that out there real <laughs> quick um, in our unplanned conversation. And if you didn't, if you didn't pick up anything yeah. about the church situation, then I was just going to keep moving on. But then you're like, oh, look at me. I love Jesus. And I was like, okay. Yeah, new yeah. job, new husband. <laughs> That's, uh, first that's, first that's husband, win-win, just I to think. clarify. <laughs> first husband. <laughs> uh, but I do think we probably broke some kind of record as far as getting each other's phone numbers in a relationship that led to marriage. Like how many seconds do you think went by between when we first started talking and when we officially Maybe had each other's minutes, numbers? But just to give our listeners a picture of what was going on, Adam and I were both high school teachers <laughs> and we went to teacher orientation and they said, get up and meet three people and get their phone numbers. We only met each other, but we got yeah. each other's numbers so quickly because we were instructed to. I think it was more like three seconds. I think we're, like we're writing each other's numbers down as we're talking. I'm very proud of that. I want to hold on to three seconds as the record. Cassie, any uh, big moment for you that changed the trajectory of your life? You know, I do. I have, there's a conversation that I can, I can replay it. And we were on vacation with my grandparents and I forget what, I forget exactly what I said, but my grandfather was pretty quick to correct me in that moment. And like the rest of the family kept walking and he took time to sit down on a bench. We were at like some preserve, like nature preserve or something. And he took the time to just talk to me about the importance of speech Mm. and just leveraged and he just really leveraged that moment in my life. And I think about that conversation all the time. And I've thought about that conversation as I teach my kids about speech. So, yeah. That's great. Yep. I love that. That's exactly what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about family discipleship moments. Cassie's almost like you know this stuff, like you do this <laughs> for a living. 
Well, today, let's talk about family discipleship moments. But first, Cassie, can you give us like a quick summary of the framework for family discipleship? We're doing eight episodes. Yeah. Uh, we've done modeling. We've done time. And then we've had guests for each. We'll do moments this week. And then I'm excited about our guest next week who's yes. going to be connected with this. Uh, but Cassie, can you tell us a little bit overview? What's the framework for family discipleship? I'd love to. Uh, we think through, we think about family discipleship in kind of four different buckets of the way we live our lives. And these buckets are probably pretty familiar to everyone listening because they would exist even if you weren't trying to disciple your, disciple your kids to love Jesus. But uh, if you are trying to disciple your kids, love Jesus, then it's helpful to think about how to do that using these different buckets. So the first one is modeling. It's just that idea that um, you yourself first must love and follow Jesus. And it's out of an overflow of worshiping him and following him and knowing him that discipling your kids is kind of um, comes out of that modeling and out of that relationship that you have with him. And so the second bucket would be intentional time. And uh, that time is just the idea is that you are planning and preparing for time that is set aside with your kids. It's in the word, it's teaching them about prayer, it's teaching them about worship. And so that is, that can, the frequency of that can look different for every family. The consistency of that can look different for every family, but it's definitely something that you're intentional about and you're planning for. The third is moments, which we're talking about today. And it's just that idea that all throughout your day as a parent, there are these little moments with your kids where you're correcting them or you're encouraging them or you're explaining something because they have questions about the world around them. And you're going to leverage those moments to point them to who God is and um, how the world works and how God has designed the world. And you're just leveraging moments every, every day, really. Really, hopefully, to talk about God and to talk about the gospel. And then the last one is milestones, which is kind of the opposite of moments in that it's these really big things in your life that you want to memorialize and you want to be able to look back and point your kids back to and say, look, remember how God was faithful to provide or how God was faithful to heal or um, a, very, a variety of different ways you can think about milestones. Um, but yeah, those are the four buckets we think about family discipleship through. Thanks, Cassie. Uh, Chelsea, as we kick off this conversation about moments, uh, let's just start really generally. Why why is it important for a parent to be able to leverage opportunities in everyday life to talk about the gospel? Uh, well, I think an important thing to point out is, is just that Jesus did this. We see Jesus in his incarnational ministry with the disciples and other people around. And we see that he did this all the time. He was able to point out everyday yeah. things uh, that seem mundane or unimportant even and use them to teach uh, gospel truth um, or just to teach a lesson to his disciples. And so we have the same opportunity as we do life with our kids, that we just see things every day that remind us of what's true about God and what's true about us. And we want to give our kids a foundation of knowing that our faith and the truth that we know about God is not compartmentalized. It's not something that we think about on Sunday mornings mm. in church only. And then the rest of our life is some sort of separate thing that operates under separate truth, but rather that God is in charge of everything and um, that it's always true, that God wants to talk with us, that God sent Jesus to save us. And so we see opportunities all the time to teach our kids that. And um, Deuteronomy chapter six and other places in the, in the scripture remind us um, that these are things are to be on the forefront, that, uh, that we can talk about and teach about God when we're doing everyday mundane things. I love how you started that answer with the fact that this is 
often the way we see Jesus discipling. We do see him, you know, having sermons and, and longer messages and, and lessons and parables, but we see him do this. We see my favorite example is when they're kind of hanging around the temple and a widow puts two little coins into the offering mm. for the temple. And Jesus uses that opportunity to teach his disciples something. He says, look at that. Everybody here might think that the Pharisees or these rich people are giving the most, but I tell you the truth, that widow just gave everything she had. And he uses that as an opportunity yeah. to tell them and teach them something. And that is essentially, that's family discipleship moments when parenting, you're, you're observant, what's happening in this kid's life, what's happening around this kid, and where is there an opportunity to teach them the truth about who God is and who they are. We talk about characteristics of God and godly character. How do we teach those things? How do we show them those things as we're doing this? Cassie, what are some examples? What would be an example of family discipleship moments? What would those look like? Yeah, well, um, I mean, they can be anything from you're at the zoo and you're using that little trip to the zoo to talk about how God is so creative and all these animals. I mean, things like that. It can be pulling up to an intersection and there is someone there who is needy and who maybe is homeless or has a sign out. I mean, our kids picked up on that living in a city. Um, our kids kind of picked up and started observing and were curious about our homeless population in Dallas from a very early age. And we decided, man, those are moments that we can leverage to talk about the gospel and to show our kids how to love others. It can be discipline, which is oftentimes maybe a frustrating moment because either, yeah. you know, you're really tired of having to discipline your kid for the same thing or they're really tired of feeling like they're being held to a standard they can't meet. Uh, but it's such a great opportunity to talk about how, first of all, we're all being disciplined, right? That God in his love disciplines his children. So we're, we're yeah. all being trained in the ways that we go, um, but that also that even in our failures, he meets us there and there's grace to cover that. And there's his kindness leads us to repenting and turning away from that. And so um, discipline moments are also really great for leveraging, uh, explaining and sharing the gospel with your kids. Hey listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. Hey friends, it's March, and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey Complete Box Set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order 
at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, Family 10, to get 10% off your entire order. Yeah, one day I'd love to do an entire episode on how to disciple through discipline. I think yeah. that would be really helpful. We could definitely unpack a lot of things there. I could use that episode. Uh, because you need to be disciplined or because... <laughs> well, I just, yeah, it just, it feels like one of those areas and it's always changing as your kids get older. Like the yep. way that we discipline and it's kind of this moving target. What worked last week isn't working this week. And yeah. anyway, it's just, I'm here for that episode. I'd love to... I do think it's one of those things that I get, I love getting a front row seat to the way Chelsea talks about the gospel and the way we talk to our kids about yeah. the mistakes they've made or, or not listened. Uh, Chelsea, how in the Griffin household, how are everyday interactions with our kids working towards our goals of discipling our family? How do you think that's going in our house or where do you see that working? Well, I mean, I think we could always do be doing better and more, but I think the opportunities are uh, just abounding. You know, we have opportunities in things we watch or the things we hear, music, TV, stuff like that, to point back to the gospel, whether we see something that's really lacking in truth or, um, or we see an example of truth. I think of like, you know, a movie like Big Hero 6, right? It's a Disney movie. I don't think it's meant to teach the gospel, but man, I see some really, uh, some really good yeah. gospel parallels in that movie about sacrifice and yeah. uh, friendship and things like that. Forgiveness. That was a big one in, in that movie is there's, there's this like really strong element of forgiveness uh, that I think is really sweet. And so, I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. I think this is the easiest aspect of a family discipleship because they're kind of like lobbed over the plate for us. You know, like Cassie said, you know, seeing homeless people in our city, I've used that really to talk to our kids a lot about the church. And I've asked them, you know, I've named different people in our home group and and said, you know, or one day I asked our kids, I said, if, if me and daddy lost our jobs and we didn't have anywhere to live, we didn't have a house, I said, where do y'all think we would go? And it was easy for them to think of people who would help take care of us. And what I wanted to talk about with them was it just about the church and how, honestly, if everyone was part of a church, maybe we wouldn't really have homelessness as we know it in terms of people protecting one another um, and caring for one another, that when we're down, uh, somebody else might take care of us and that, you know, those seasons go up and down and we would do that too. And, you know, I've asked them too, hey, if, if, you know, so-and-so in our home group, if, if they were in a bad situation with their money, would we tell them to sleep outside by the highway or would we tell them they could stay at our house? You know, and of course they answer accordingly, you know? And so these are just things we see all around us. They're just, they're easy, honestly. Going to the, back before COVID, you know, I love taking my boys to the grocery store and after we checked out and just looking at our food and I would just say, look, look, we have not just good, healthy stuff to eat. We even have some things that we just like to eat. Like we have enough and we have more than we need. And that Mm -hmm. is because God is good and he's taking care of us. You know, so these things are just, they're everywhere. There's not a lot of planning required. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great. Cassie, a moment we talk about specifically about leveraging a lot is parental failure. We talk about how making a mistake and repenting can be a really great family discipleship moment. So not just disciplining the kid when they make a mistake, but our opportunity to share the gospel when we do. Can you speak a little bit more about that specifically? Yeah. I mean, it's such a great example to show them our need for Christ. You know, we are a needy, 
we never, I don't think we outgrow our need for him. I think we only grow more aware of it. And so as we mature in Christ, there are more and more moments in our life where we're, we, we see our self-reliance as, you know, more our enemy than our friend. <laughs> and I think that most of my parenting failures come out of um, me relying on my own strength or operating in what I think is best and not what God's that what what God says is best, and so when I fail, it's such a great opportunity to show them my need for Christ, and also like what it looks like to say, "Wow, I thought this was the best way to do it, and I was wrong, and that hurt you, or that affected you in some way." And I'm reminded now that this is God's way, and it's so much better. And we can ask for their forgiveness. I mean, sometimes our parent failures don't maybe affect them or even our, it doesn't just have to be parent failures. It can be any, anything that we do that's wrong. I mean, I can burn dinner and then get frustrated and, and they, they are witnessing all of that. And then I get an opportunity to say, hey, remember when that happened? Or, you know, an hour ago, like that was a moment of weakness and, you know, all of that. So it doesn't even just have to be when we fail them as parents, but it can be our lives on display. They're watching every, every little moment. And so when, you know, the Holy Spirit is working in us and it's on display for our kids to see and we get a chance to stop and explain that. It's such a gift to them, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. I I don't know that there's anything I can think of that we can do more commonly that has a greater impact on our kids than being willing to admit when we make mistakes and repenting. All right. Uh, We talk in the book that we run in Family Discipleship a lot about shared language as a way to leverage these things. Uh, And, you know, I want to talk more about maybe some phrasing that we use in different houses. But Chelsea, let's get a little energy in here. A little pop quiz for you. You are so good at uh, at this. I really believe you're great at Family Discipleship moments, but you're also really good at using the Word of God in how we disciple our kids. So I thought I'd give you a little pop quiz, a little lightning round, Chelsea Griffin. What I'm going to give you a situation with a kid, and I want you to give me a scripture that you might use to address the following moments. And then Cassie, maybe after I get through this pop quiz, maybe you can come back and maybe uh, not fact check, but maybe give us a couple maybe <laughs> that pop into your head that yeah. maybe Chelsea didn't think of. But here we go. Sure. Chelsea, you ready? All right. When your child is angry, where would you take in the word of God? What well, pops up immediately is the verse in Proverbs that says anger abides in the lap of fools. But I don't think that's super, super, <laughs> super yeah. helpful for a child. Um, I think about the scripture that says that we're not to be mastered by anything. And uh, really being able to talk to a kid about how when we feel angry, it doesn't feel good. You know what I mean? It feels feels yeah. yucky to be angry and just talking about the freedom that we have in Christ, that we're dead to sin. And so what what is it that make mm. it's making us angry? Because usually, you know, uh, people love to talk about the, the verse about like righteous anger or whatever, but like very, very rarely is our anger righteous, right? And, uh, right. and the Bible does say that this is the NLT in James chapter one, it says human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Again, we want to walk alongside our kids. I'm not, we're not just going to use the scripture to, to, you know, shame them into acting better, but we're going to talk about where, where our anger comes from and how we can surrender it. That's great. All right. Question number two, when your child is sad, is there anything God has said about sadness that you feel like uh, we could lean on and say uh, to leverage a family yeah, establishment moment? I love moment? this verse. This is Psalm 94. It says, when the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Um, and just knowing that we serve a God uh, mm. similar to, you know, we hope their earthly father, right? When our kids are sad, we listen to them. We want them to feel heard. We want to really care about what's making them sad and to know that we have a God um, who cares and he hears and uh, he's not overly burdened, like we can bring all of it to him and that um, his truth can 
can cheer our soul. Great. Well, let's look on the bright side of life. Chelsea, you got a kid who's celebrating something. Is there anything in the Word of God that's not just about your kid behaving better? Like, how would we celebrate with our kid and share the gospel with them? Psalm 126 says, uh, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. And so just pointing back to the fact that when when we get good things, when we have something to celebrate, that um, that is from the hand of God the Father, that He's the one who gives good things and that every good and perfect gift is from above, that He's the reason that we have anything to celebrate at all. That's amazing. People are going to think that you spent hours preparing for this. You have not. I'm, this is a pop quiz. Here we go. Here's another one. When you messed up and you want to apologize as a parent, what's a verse that you would lean we on? We like this. Proverbs 28 says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find mercy. Um, and that is such yeah. good news, right? And that so hopeful that you can always keep coming forward, confessing them and forsaking them. That's critical, right? You can't just confess it. You got to force yes. Yeah, you got to be willing to to try to repent and go the other way. But God promises we're going to find mercy. Okay, two more. Here we go. When you see something beautiful with your kids, you see something like Chelsea talked about at the zoo, something creative, something gorgeous. What do you take your kids to in the Word? Yeah, Genesis 1 and Psalm 19. There's a lot in the Psalms about God's glory and His goodness and creation. Genesis 1 is so great. It's just before anything gets adulterated by sin, right? Uh, that He made it, and it really sounds like it delighted God to make those things, and uh, and He said they were good. And so, uh, again, what whatever we see that's beautiful is from the hand of God, and it's from His own creativity and His joy and His delight. Great. Last one. When your kids aren't getting along, which I'm sure never happens in the Griffin household, I live in it. But if our kids aren't getting along, what's a what's a good verse? That okay. You well, I'm, I'm sorry to admit that uh, I have, in a situation like this, pointed out to our children that the first murder in the Bible is, is between two brothers. The, the, the first murder on <laughs> earth is between two brothers. <laughs> like murder was invented by, by sibling rivalry. And uh, that's really sad and a little hardcore. So that's not really like perfect for every moment, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have pointed it out to our children. Like, isn't that a tragedy that the first murder ever recorded is between two brothers? That's just really terrible. But Proverbs 17 says a, a friend yeah. loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And so just point out to our kids, you know, there's that other verse in Proverbs about a, a strain of three chords, not easily broken. Or is that in Proverbs? Ecclesiastes? Okay. No, it's Ecclesiastes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in our case, we have three boys in our family. So just point out to them, like God's given you each other. You have a friend forever, a friend that should love you at all times and, and a brother's born for adversity. So when you're having something hard, your brother should, you know, come to the rescue. Wow, Chelsea, great job. That's why, this is what I'm talking about. I love to be there when Chelsea is, uh, is, is sharing from the Bible for our boys. Cassie, anything that she said that, or any of these situations you feel like one popped in your head for you? Yeah, we love uh, in James where it talks about the tongue. Yes. That's a great one. She already mentioned Psalm 19, but that's one of our favorites uh, where the, the heavens declare the glory of God. And we talk about that when we see sunsets or sunrises or even the snow. We've had some snow in Texas this week and uh, we love Psalm 19. Oh, in Philippians, I have learned to be content. Come on. <laughs> uh, it's not that, I mean, yes, the coffee mug verse of I can do all things in Christ, but there specifically, he's talking about learning to have, like learning to be content in all circumstances. That is the thing that we can do in Christ. And it takes, a lot of strength and discipline to learn to be content. But man, that is definitely something we talk about a lot in our house. That's good. There's a temptation, I think, in parents to use the word of God as kind of like a trump card to say dad gets what he wants. So uh, no Mm -hmm. complaining, Uh, honor your father and mother. Great verses and they're biblical and they're true and they're right. But if we start to use the word of God as like, so listen to your dad, you start to be (laughs) harsh with your kids. 
It's actually yeah. the opposite of what Paul's warning us against, but scripture can be so helpful. I think too, as a broad example, we refer to them as the one another verses. There are a lot of verses about how we treat one another in the New Testament about, you know, outdoing one another in honor, yeah. love one another. Those verses are so helpful as reminders to our kids of what we are trying to train them in, the, the instruction of the Lord. Now, outside of scripture, I think it can also be really helpful for families to have shared language, phrasing that they use in different circumstances, especially if you're married and you and your husband might not be, or you and your wife might not be in the same place at the same time, but you guys want to speak about things the same way to have kind of phrases you keep coming back to. Cassie, in the in the Bryant house, do y'all have any phrases that you guys like to come back to in family discipleship moments? Oh, yes. Uh, one that we use often is is first time fast. So when mm. we ask you to do something, first time fast, delayed obedience is disobedience. That's, <laughs> That's one of our phrases. Amen. We talk about that a lot. We talk about love God, love others, which I mean, that is in scripture, but those are like our primary things. Like, are we loving God? Are we loving others? That's like a, the rubric by which we want to like think about our lives and how, how what we're doing in that moment. Um, so yeah, those are two that come to mind right away. What about you guys? Yeah, what about you, Chels? What comes to mind for you in our um, house? Obedience leads to joy or obedience brings joy. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I took that from somebody. That's a good one. But I love it because it's true, right? And that God yeah. gives us commands and he, we're to obey him. But how good is he that, that the obedience leads to our joy and that he's never asking us to obey in order to take something from us or rob us of something good. He's always trying to lead us into mm-hmm. our joy and our flourishing. And so if we will just trust him and obey, it will lead to our joy. Some other things we, we said with our kids over time, uh, especially as when our kids were younger, kids get scared more. We say, if God's got you, who can get you? And then they reply back, no one. Uh, what are some other ones, Adam? Oh, there's so many I like to use in our house, I think, that are really helpful. One uh, that is behavior related, we talk about mm-hmm. pushing and punching. And we'll say, when is it okay to push or punch? And the answer is to protect. And then we say, okay, were you, when you just pushed or when you just punched, were you protecting? And the answer is 100% of the time, no. <laughs> that is, uh, <laughs> maybe not 100% of the time. It's almost never like, been Dad, the case. there was a bear. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there just, making up stories. Yeah, I was just pushing him out of the way of something worse that could have happened, you know? Uh, but we talk about that. Uh, one that we use often when we're reading the scripture is uh, when is it okay to follow the crowd? Uh, because you'll see Jesus do things all the time that are not popular with with the people around him. And so we'll say, when do Griffins follow the crowd? And my boys know to say, when the crowd is following Jesus. And if the crowd is not following Jesus, then Griffins Mm -hmm. don't follow the crowd. And so there are things like that, like Chelsea brought up when our kids were scared when they were little. There's different phrases we use when we're reading the Bible, I think that come up more often because they're lessons we're teaching more often. But I think having mm-hmm. shared language gives us the ability to leverage uh, more easily the way that we are going to do this, even when we're apart, where we're going to disciple through moments. Yeah. Uh, and I know some of the phrases we use is, too in our, in our house come from our church. Yeah. Uh, Cassie, yeah. Can, I know you guys do this at uh, Northway. Does your church do any equipping for families, creating like the same language, the same phrasing? What do you guys do? Yeah, we, I mean, well, I first of all, let me say that I think the best way for you to like adopt some of that language is if you could get plugged into your kids' ministry at your church. Yeah. Hopefully your kids' ministry has some of that language, but even some of the terms I use and what Chelsea used, 
the obedience leads to joy. That's that's language that comes from our curriculum that we teach, that you guys teach at Eastside and that we teach at Northway and that the village wrote. And so, man, there's just some really helpful terms there because we want there to be consistency across the ages and the grades so that when kids are coming and they're only spending an hour and a half with us, the language is consistent and it really helps us leverage that time with them for, you know, with that consistent stuff. But it also helps if parents have those, those phrases to then carry into their home. And so I think a great way to be equipped with some of that language is to get plugged in with your church. We do have, I mean, we have the family discipleship guide, which is something that we wrote along, or you actually kind of spearheaded um, at the village and that lives online and we still use that resource and give to families where it talks about the time moments, milestones kind of model of um, family discipleship. We do a family discipleship retreat and we focus on each of those. And so actually the year of the pandemic is our one on moments where we were going to workshop it and, and kind of talk about that. We had to move to like a Zoom forum, but mm-hmm. yeah, we try to, we have our, our take home sheets with that language. And then we do our best to kind of leverage uh, events that we have to kind of give our families some helpful language. But I really think the best way to do it is to serve alongside your kids and to kind of get in there and it becomes rote. Like our mm-hmm. single adults use this language yeah. in their life. Like yeah. our young adults, they love it. And so- yeah, y'all really have that one that has all language. the attributes of God. I, I can't remember all of them, but man, it's so good. Yeah. And the one that says, um, God gives what's best and he is what's best. That one, that, yeah. yeah, so God that one knows really what's stuck best. with me personally, yeah. just to keep reminding of that, of yeah. the, that he gives what's best and he is what's best. So good, so good. Yeah, yeah, we love that one. Yeah, attributes of God is one of them that you guys use in your curriculum. I think is so good. It's it's almost like having a different vocabulary. You know, you have defi- you're defining things for your kids. Uh, think about all the big church words your kids might hear around yeah. church, and you're defining them for them, including yeah. the attributes of God. So, like what compassion. Is, yes. What is what does it mean? We that, see care, see care, and act. And like we use that in our home. One of my daughters has been gifted with compassion. She's the most compassionate person. I know. Mm. I mean, towards a house fly, she has so much compassion. (laughs) And so it's to see a need, to care about the need and to act on the need. Otherwise that's just this big word that you're like, kids might be hearing around the church and hear that, oh, God's compassionate, but they don't know what that means Mm. without you know, a definition. And so that's, that's a good one. Yeah, I think an example might be patience. If you don't define patience for your kids, patience to your kid might mean don't bother me. Hey, you need to be Mm. patient. Well, what is patient? Oh, in our house, we talk about waiting kindly and quietly, you know, and there's other parts of patience in addition to that. But we don't just say, hey, be patient and by that imply you need to leave me alone or you need to be quiet. No, we're trying to teach them something. So there are fruits of the spirit that I think are really helpful to define for your kids and to use. What does it mean to have self-control? You know, it means that there's a freedom from sin there. We don't have to do. Mm -hmm. If we are in Christ, we don't have to do what, what we might be tempted to do. Uh, we talk about gentleness and kindness, but then the attributes of God, I think, are so helpful. And these moments really do lead uh, to some incredible discipleship for kids. It's not just when you take your kid to church. It's not just when you're sitting down as a family to worship, but sometimes, and maybe even I could say often, it's the unplanned, it's the spontaneous, it's the yeah. parent who's ready. Chelsea, can you think of maybe like a light bulb moment for our kids that came from an unplanned spiritual conversation where you feel like there's some headway made in our discipleship? Honestly, what, what comes to mind is really not something that you and I led, but Oscar reading a book about Tim Tebow was super yeah. sweet because honestly, I 
I mean, Oscar loves to read and um, I love for him to read and to read about, you know, Christian athlete. Sounds great to me. I'm like, that's, that's cool. But honestly, it, yeah. <laughs> it, the, it really moved him. And so it was super sweet to right. see the Lord do that, that our son loves football and God the Father knows that Oscar loves football. And so to read a book about a football player who loves God and to see it like really move in the heart of our child was, was just unbelievable. It felt like it felt really convincing of like, man, mm. God really does know us, knows us well and cares about yeah. us, you know? Absolutely. If anybody out there listening knows Tim Tebow, let him know that I'd like to talk to him because he made a big difference in our son's <laughs> life. And uh, oh, I love that. I'm sure he's never heard <laughs> that before, but uh, send me Tim's email. I'd love to talk to him about it. How about for you, Cassie? Uh, what do you think has come from this in your own household? Can you think of some fruit? Yeah, I think that, I mean, the pandemic provided all of us with a lot of unplanned moments and specifically that of like having our kids in church with us for so long. And with that came this kind of uh, weekly conversations and leveraging the moments of communion. Now, granted, that is a planned part of our service, but not every parent's planning on having to talk to their kids about that every week. And and I think it just provided a lot of opportunities for talking to our kids about saving faith and the family of God and kind of even that ordinance of communion. And then it's not just a snack, that type of, that type of language, but also, I mean, for one of our daughters, she's like very compelled by it and really wants to take communion and is like professing faith. And so we're kind of in that season where we're, you know, um, just navigating, affirming that, looking for fruit of salvation, kind of what we talked about in the baptism episode last season. Um, but that was born out of of this, the unplanned moments of just having her in service and her kind of every week sitting under that and having questions about it. Another one would be Encanto. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard about the movie Encanto. Mm-mm. Have you guys watched it yet? No. Oh, it's so great. We love it. But there's a part where it talks about how the miracle is not the gift, but it's the person, you know, in mm. this in this family. And so we, again, going back to, yes, God is generous and he gives good gifts, but those are not ultimate. Like it's God's presence. It's the miracle. And so we've just even kind of, we try to leverage anytime there's media involved and like we're watching something, I, my mind is spinning with like, how can I use this to reaffirm and talk about like how this is the thing that they're kind of pointing to, but not saying because most likely followers of Jesus aren't, aren't making these movies, but it's, you know, it kind of goes back to Sally Lloyd-Jones. Every story whispers his name and there's this like little truth about mm-hmm. how the gift isn't the real thing. It's the, it's the person of Jesus. And so anyway, yeah, yeah. those are some, I, those I tried to do examples. that with that Chronicles of Narnia. Cause you know, I've heard there's some real gospel uh, parallels there, but I'll tell you what <laughs> I tried yesterday. We have a snow day here in Texas guys. And so I said, Oh, who wants to watch this? And they said, yes. And this has happened to me every time I've ever tried to watch this movie. I go to sleep. I fall asleep when they're in a, some winter snow place. Looks real cold and I just fall asleep. <laughs> I wake up and there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lion. There's During a the war. Battle. It's sunny <laughs> and the kid becomes king or something. I have no idea, but I've just been really unable to leverage it because I cannot stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, uh, before we conclude this, I think you guys have given some great examples of indiscipline in everyday life and creativity as you're watching a movie. You know, when your kid is sad or happy or angry, leaning on the scripture, I think there are so many opportunities to leverage them for the gospel. I think one thing we haven't mentioned yet that I just want to mention too is having unplanned times where you pray for your kid is really powerful Mm. or where your kid didn't ask for a hug, but you're giving them a hug. You're just going to go find them and hug them and remind them that you love them. Sometimes we think the object lesson is what's going to make the biggest spiritual difference. Like I'm going to tell them the parable of the sower and we're going to go plant a tree together and we're going to talk about... 
sometimes it just means, hey, let me give you a hug. And the way I love you, yeah. as much as I love you, there's a God who loves you even more. And as much as I love hugging you, there's a God who loves to wrap his arms around his people. And there's just an opportunity we have as parents to think about leveraging every moment. And every moment you get with your kids is one less than you will ever have again. These moments are fleeting and they are so sweet and precious. So let's take full advantage, guys. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please give us a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. And why don't you share this episode with one of your friends? If you want to keep up with us, you can join the conversation and you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on social media. We love you, listeners. We'll be back next week with more more great stuff. We'll see you then.